Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In an era of online retail where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you. Or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a seven-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hey guys, Perry here to let you know that this episode of Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans where you can binge the highly touted original series Titans or you can jump into the all-new Swamp Thing with new episodes dropping weekly and also check out the thousands of comics just added, catch up on your favorite series including Krypton Season 1 and watch animated movies like Reign of the Superman. Join at DCUniverse.com. It's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hello, everyone. I made it out of New Orleans alive, and I'm here to talk about box office, specifically how Godzilla did at the box office. And then on top of that, we've got a bunch of trailers to hit today. Three in particular, Lion King, Ford v. Ferrari, and then also a new trailer for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And I'm so happy to be back on this desk right now because it's Monday, it's box office day, and you know who's on the desk with me today. We've got Jabby and Haley, and it makes me so happy to see their faces how are you guys doing? Very well. Very well. All the confidence in the world, we're going to crush it on today's show. I hope oh, yeah. you guys are ready because we're jumping right into it with the box office report. So this weekend, Godzilla King of the Monsters did chop the charts, but according to estimates, it only made for, I love how I say only, $49 million. That's a lot of money. Number two went to Aladdin, $42.3 million. Number three opening up was Rocketman with $25 million. Ma also opened up this weekend, and it made $18.3 million, which earned it the number four spot. And finally, John Wick. Chapter 3 took $11.1 million. So 
Going back to the Godzilla question, I mean, I even fumbled my read just now where I look at a number like 49 and I want to say only 49 million for a giant blockbuster movie, but that's still a nice chunk of money. And then you look at the international box office as well, and it amounts to quite a bit. So you hear that Godzilla King of the Monsters opened up at the domestic box office with a total like this. Is that like an immediately raise the red flag concern for this franchise over at Warner Brothers? I don't think so, personally. I know that films have to make double their budget, the disclosed budget, in order to make a profit. But so far as it stands internationally, collectively, like it's made more than the disclosed budget. So I think they're going to be fine. I mean, if you take into consideration DVD sales, video on demand, and all that stuff, I, f- I feel like it's going to do fine. I don't see it changing anything in this genre whatsoever. Well, as we, we've discussed behind the scenes, they're moving forward. They moved forward with the next one anyway. Yeah. It is shot, so that one's happening. I was you said, a little, it's, you said it's shot already? Yes, yes. The Adam Wingard movie, okay. uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Okay. So it's like this movie, no matter how much it makes, it's not going to hurt that one. That one's coming out no matter what. I'm just concerned, I think, more so for Warner Brothers overall with their film franchises. I want to see more franchises in the mix with some of the biggest of the bigs out there, which is basically Star Wars and Marvel at this point, and DC as well. So I want to see them have a major, major franchise But $49 million doesn't exactly say that. And it's not all that much of a surprise when you look at how the comparison between the amount of money that the other two movies made, domestic versus international, how that all plays out. Because when we had the 2014 Godzilla movie, if you look at the percentage that came from the domestic box office, it was way higher than when Kong Skull Island. Then all of a sudden, it was the foreign box office that was more in play there. So I feel like that's a trend that maybe at the domestic box office, Office. This isn't going to pull as much as some other franchises, but it still clearly has a major draw worldwide, which is what you need. Yeah, I think that internationally, they love to see American destruction movies. That's always been a thing. We like to see, internationally, the world likes to see America get destroyed. <laughs> they just like that. I remember a long time ago in, in co- some college class, they were talking about American beauty and how internationally it did way better than domestically, which was a shock to a lot of people, but it's because they like to see Americans tear each other apart. Oh, and wow. so, you know, and we all, we're the ones that make the best destruction movies, and I feel like it's going to be fine. I feel like you know? there's a movie idea in that concept. Yeah. <laughs> like there's some sort of meta idea in that. Probably. Yeah. Get the Cohen brothers on it or something. Yeah. I would watch it. I love it. I, I'm kind of with you. I, it's not a great sign for the franchise, but it's not, I don't think it's like world ending or anything like that. And it, it's like you said, Godzilla vs. Kong is on the way. That at least has in the, you know, it has not one, but two very famous monsters fighting it out. And people love their team-up movies. So I would expect that one to perform better, even better. Do you guys have any theories as to why it didn't perform as well as something else would have, like its predecessors? No, so it's a great question because... Even though this isn't my favorite franchise, I do think all three movies are at a certain level or above. And I actually really did enjoy Godzilla King of the Monsters. I think right now the thing that might have affected both this and Rocket Man, because I also did think that Rocket Man was going to earn something like thirty million dollars, if not thirty thirty million dollars for opening weekend, if not a little more. I still think that one can have legs, but I think the problem right now is there's too much competition. I mean, not even just this weekend with three new big releases, but then when you account for the fact that Aladdin's still in play, it only dropped 53.7%. We've got more movies next week, and basically all through the summer, 
there's a major release almost every single weekend, whether it's count, good counter-programming or not. There's only so much of the box office pie to go around. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just too much competition right now. Uh, well, the early reviews that came in yeah. were not favorable. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I went to my screening, it was around 49%. I came out of the screening. It went up to about 50-something. It's now around 39% on Rotten Tomatoes or something crazy I like that. I did not really realize it was low. there. Yeah, it's, it's not favorable at all. And the thing is, movie tickets are getting more and more expensive these days unless you have a special program like amc stub stubs member or whatever it's called where you just pay a monthly it's really expensive to go to the movies and so when you see something like that you're like well maybe i won't do that maybe i won't spend twenty dollars you know on the imax 3d experience for godzilla i'm not usually someone who's like super convinced that reviews have a remarkable effect on box office all the time but i think that in this case you might be right because it is such a drastically no low number i think it's the lowest one in the franchise uh, or the american franchise aside from like you know that really bad godzilla movie that we all grew up with well which i think is like 19 yeah. percent or something <laughs> you seem to have some kind of love for that I, I was at a good age for that movie okay. to come out and it's like i could enjoy it thinking back to when i was you know a smaller child mm-hmm. and i was watching it when it first came out versus now it's definitely not a movie i revisit <laughs> Yeah, but I remember I, I it semi fondly. <laughs> but just a number that specifically low, like that's that maybe has a red flag quality to it that something like you know, fifty five percent or sixty percent mm-hmm. wouldn't as actively discourage people from it. From what I understand, in China, a lot of their theaters are equipped with 3D, like high-end 3D. And so I think that it's still going to perform well internationally overall. It's still going to continue. Because, like, what other movie is coming out in the next couple of weeks that is Godzilla-like in terms yeah. of just sheer visual effects spectacle on that level? Like, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. Well, Dark Phoenix has a lot of effects. But it's, men, it's men not, in black. Yeah, it's not like monster movies. Yeah, it's not as thing. big. In terms I don't, of I don't think we have any other monster movies that I'm aware of this summer, right. unless I'm forgetting something obvious. No, I'm not either. I, I can't Crawl's think of kind of a monster movie, <laughs> but I don't think it's going to really be competing with Godzilla King of the Monsters. But it's fans. not like Independence Day level destruction. And I feel like that's the only film in this month that has that, you know? And so I feel like it, internationally it'd be fine. You All know? right, looking at these other two now, especially you, Haley, I'm curious to get your take on Ma. Is this a win for Blumhouse? The thing about Blumhouse is they make movies for so cheap that it's very hard not to win. I mean, when you, what was it? It says it's $5 million or $5 something million for the budget. Production budget. It's already made three times its budget They're clean. Back. <laughs> They're yeah, great. It's already, it's already in yeah. the profit. They're done. And yeah. it's the first week. Of course it's a win. That's, I mean, Jason Blum is a genius. He's built a company around winning. And this is just another example of how you get... A-list talent on board to get people in the seats to take your movie seriously, even though it's made on a micro, micro Mm -hmm. budget. And then you clean up. Making the most out of very little. That's what you should do when you can in this industry. Otherwise, you get these major blockbusters that don't meet their goals. And then who knows what happens after that. That's how Kevin Smith got work for a long, long, long time. I mean, his budgets were always super low. And then his profits were strong compared to the budget. I'm also... I know that a lot of times it is good to have more resources in order to make the movie you originally envisioned, but I'm also a firm believer that when resources are tighter, it challenges you to be more creative, and usually you find more magic in that kind of working environment. But that's just me. I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly, but it's, I think it's cool. I, I, love, I love what they're doing, you know? These, I'm right there with these you. small budget stories that are just so strong. Well, and they don't, they're, they don't all work. It's not like every movie that Blumhouse makes works, but he's also very smart about 
where he puts which movie. Does it go theatrical? Does it go straight to Netflix? Are we going to do a different kind of deal with it? He, he has a good read on which ones are ultimately going to perform enough to make back what it costs to do you know, theatrical promotion and all of that. Would you say he's the new Roger Corman? <laughs> uh, I, I think his movies are occasionally nominated for Oscars and things, but uh, I would say his 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 acumen for money is on, yeah, that, on that level. That's, that's all I meant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, before we move on to our roundup of trailers from the day, I got to remind you, we've got two really cool things coming to the channel. Actually, three when you hear these plugs. First up, a little comic book shopping coming your way tomorrow morning. Check it out. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone. Perry here to remind you that this episode of Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans. Join at DCUniverse.com and get sucked into new original series like the highly touted Titans, or you can catch up on favorites like Krypton Season 1. And starting May 31st, jump into the new episodes of Swamp Thing, dropping weekly, and follow Abby Arcane as she investigates what seems to be a deadly swamp-borne virus in a small town in Louisiana, and soon discovers that the swamp holds mystical and terrifying secrets. You can also get your comic book fix with thousands of new comic titles just added to an already impressive comic library. This includes more recent titles and complete storylines like Superman Secret Origin, Batman 2011, and also Harley Quinn 2013. Also available on the platform are tons of the classic DC movies we love like Batman and the original Superman movie. And then if animated films are more your speed, sign up right now because Reign of the Superman and Justice League vs. The Fatal Five are now available. DC Universe is available on your favorite devices, so if you were thinking about it before, now's the time. Join and get a year's worth of DC content at DCUniverse.com. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you've got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. 
and deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. All right, remember when I teased three things? So there's comic book shopping, and then on top of that, not one episode of Rule of Two, which you're getting, as usual, today at 5 p.m. with the Marks, but they also did a review of Vader Immortal, the VR game. So you've got two Rule of Twos to check out. Get on that right after we finish this conversation, because we have a lot of really big trailers to talk about right now. <laughs> Three in particular, a brand new TV spot for The Lion King, scary stories to tell in the dark. I believe this was their second trailer and the first trailer for Ford v. v uh, Ferrari. I want to keep saying Ferrari for some reason. It's weird. It goes together really well. I don't know. Um, of the three, if you had to pick one being the favorite that sold you the most, what would it be and why? Of, I mean, <laughs> it's hard because they're all really good. Like, I'm not even a horror fan, yeah. and I think all three are equally really, really good. But if I had to go with one, I think I would go with Ford versus Ferrari mm-hmm. because it's the director of 310 to Yuma, which is a film that I really, really enjoyed. I listened to the commentary on it, and that commentary had a big impact on my way of handling things when it comes to making content and whatnot. So I like that director a lot, I w- and he- I liked Logan. I, th- I liked what he did there. So I'm very excited for that. I love cars. I mean, I came here really, really fast. <laughs> if that tells you anything, I drive have a six-speed manual transmission, so so I'm like super into cars and whatnot. So seeing that, there's not a whole lot of cars movies lately. If you think about it, like we have Fast and the Furious franchise still going, but it's not really about cars anymore. It's no, about <laughs> you know espionage and just epic action. I feel like the last thing that I could think of that had this vibe was Rush, which is a movie that I really love. So okay. the fact that I got those vibes from this trailer is very encouraging. Haley, I'll let you go next. Which is your trailer of choice? Well, I think I think that you think <laughs> I don't know I don't I know, know what I think <laughs> so here's what I'll say uh, wait can we hear what Perry thinks first about what you <laughs> think about what, what she's should what, we both say it at the same time which one we would pick on the count of three well but ready one two three know. Ford VPR <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I, said that again. I was like Ferrari. I'm trying to warn you I don't Ferrari. know yet oh, okay. uh, I have a thing to say which is that I thought you, you were going to just me. tell me that you weren't going to pick the horror thing and <laughs> well, I was going to be surprised kind of, I mean that's, I think you thought that I was going to pick the horror thing based on what you said at the top of the show. But uh, when you ask me what sold me more, I'm already sold, right? Like, I'm in the seats mm-hmm. for scary stories. That's over. And Ford v. Ferrari, hmm. now it's happening to me. Ford versus Ferrari. <laughs> yes. Just you know, say the versus you know part and you'll be all wrote, right. I wrote down a line from the scary stories to tell in the dark trailer, and it was, some people believe if we repeat stories often enough, they become real. So I oh, basically no. repeated something wrong and made it real by passing it along to you. Thanks, Hair. <laughs> uh, I'm not a car person. Okay. I don't even drive. So I, I thought I would have like no interest in that whatsoever, aside from James Mangold, who I, I think is spectacular. I love 310 to Yuma. I love Logan. I just, that trailer, I don't know, it did it for me, even as someone who like hasn't, couldn't give less of a hoot about vehicles or racing or any of that. I like that Matt Damon's doing this quasi Tommy Lee Jones accent thing. Mm -hmm. I I just, I like their chemistry together. I like the way it's shot. Mm -hmm. It's very exciting. And and the thing is like, yes, I really did like the scary stories trailer, Mm -hmm. but ever since we went to that 
footage presentation i was like i'm in it's over i'm in i think i'm right there with you is that was our first look at that movie and Mm. also in my head being like a little bit of an oscar nut knowing that that movie has a november release date gets me so excited so it's like i sit down and watch Mm. that trailer knowing that and then i watch this trailer which feels so so like grounded and real and especially when it opens with that scene where where he's talking to noah jupe I don't know. Like I like I felt it. I felt like the infectious vibe of the racing that they're going to be talking about the entire movie. And the second you do something like that with so much atmosphere, I'm going to be sold. But scary stories to tell in the dark, I think, looks great. And that quote that I read earlier, that's what I'm loving so much about that approach to the movie. It's almost like we keep talking about creepypasta lately. That reminds me of like creepypasta, but for moviegoers of all ages, mm. even though watching this trailer, it did cross my mind that... This feels a little intense it's for young young kids. Yeah, it feels like Death Note to me in a way. You ever you ever see Death Note? Yeah, or read up on it? I, I could definitely see that like, connection. That was the very first thing that came to my head because it's dealing with the a writing. book with characters. You know, I wasn't exactly sure about the rules regarding the book and its effect on reality, but. I got Death Note vibes all over that. So that's exciting to me. You you know know? what's really funny to me right now? That we've been talking about our trailer section for like five minutes and not a single one of us has mentioned Lion King. Because that's such an obvious one. Is it because it's obvious? I think so. I'm excited for it. It's doing everything that I want that Aladdin didn't do. Mm. Which is, it's shot for shot, the movie so far. <laughs> it's shot for shot, the original cartoon. That's all I want. We talked about this last time. Yeah. I don't want it to vary from the cartoon. Just give me as close as you can what the cartoon gave me. We're definitely on the same page in that respect. The reason I haven't uttered Lion King is because initially, maybe it's because I didn't see any of this in the other trailers and it was a little jarring right off the bat was seeing the lions talk. Mm -hmm. And by the time we got to the Timon and Pumbaa thing at the end, I thought it looked good. Mm -hmm. And I know he made it work in the Jungle Book, so I'm encouraged it's going to be fine. But really, when I was watching this for the first time and I saw that, I'm like, like, that doesn't look right. I am inclined to agree with you a little bit because one of the things that I had said in my first trailer reaction was they look so real that it's almost, it's borderline off-putting because they don't have the big eyes like the cartoon offers you. So it's less anthropomorphized than the cartoon. It looks like real National Geographic Mm -hmm. footage with animals talking as opposed to cartoon characters talking. So I get what you're saying there. I'm hoping that it's okay once you get to the theater and it just normalizes itself. You know, it's not weird anymore once you're in the the theater. I really believe that's going to be the case. It's very difficult to sell anything that's like completely out of the realm of possibility like animals. Animals talking in a matter of, in this case, 30 seconds. Yeah. That's the other reason I didn't mention it. It's 30 seconds. Yeah. We've already seen a lot of footage from it. And and I do have faith based on the Jungle Book that the talking is ultimately going to work out, although these animals are extremely photorealistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were just joking outside. Like, the posters are hilarious because they literally, they just look like pictures of animals. <laughs> Like, it's silly. There's nothing identifiable, really, about the designs or anything. It might as well be a Nat Geo poster. But I'm I'm fine with the talking. I'm wondering if it'll have a stronger positive effect on us, who have grown up with it, than it will on children. Because children are used to that kind of wide-eyed aesthetic Mm -hmm. that animation offers you you know, in general. And so for us, with the legacy of Lion King, it's like, oh my God, I remember this and that and this, you know, that feeling is going to kick in. And- That's a fair point. I mean, it made me think that I've never asked my little cousins what they think of the Jungle Book or if they've even seen it. It's like knowing them, I feel like they'd probably have more interest in seeing The Secret Life of Pets 2 versus Lion King for the exact oh, reason you just said. Yeah. 
I don't know. It just crossed my mind. But then again, I again, I've never asked them. I don't know how many of the Disney classics they've actually gone through and which ones they took to most. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe it could create a little bit of a divide. I have a chat question here about Disney. So Dewana Troy is asking us, I'm curious with Disney running out of animated films to adapt, would they start adapting the sequels or can they mm-hmm. give or can they give in how they end movies like Aladdin? So do we have sequels to these classics in the works? I don't know how many have like legit sequels versus straight to VHS sequels or what the Aladdin, deal was with that. Aladdin had two sequels yeah. that, and I mean, I was a dumb kid, so I liked both of them. I think the third one is actually legitimately better than the second one, but I don't think it compares to the first one. I wouldn't mind seeing a live action of, ad- adaptation of that, but... Actually, I, maybe I would. <laughs> I'm just thinking about my feelings of when I watched Aladdin. I was very upset. And so unlike you guys, like, I was very upset with Aladdin. And so, oh, I didn't love it. Oh, you didn't love it? No, okay, sorry. well, I know Perry I liked, liked it. it. yeah. Yeah, I, I was very... I wanted to walk out after 10 minutes. I stayed, and I was like, yeah, I should have probably walked out. But uh, I, I wouldn't want to see a reimagining of that unless they just used the voices from the original cartoon, which they won't do. <laughs> I, I think more likely because... Uh, I'm very impressed with your Aladdin sequel knowledge, sir. That's, that's some <laughs> deep cuts. I, I think a lot of people maybe don't know it that well, and it doesn't have that nostalgia value, which is really the, the moneymaker here. Mm-hmm. So I would assume more likely that they would make new sequels based on the films that they're putting into theaters now, sort of like the Maleficent vibe. This could be my brain going into like neat and organized territory. Mm-hmm. The fact that, I don't know, it feels to me like Disney is shaping up this live action adaptation franchise in a way to be like one after the next. And I really do think they have more they could explore where they're not going to burn out in the next five years even. But Fox and the Hound, the Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> There's so many Disney I movies watch to pull Fox from. Fox and the Hound would make me cry um, too much. <laughs> that's, no, that's a very fair so point. Emotional. Bambi, could you? imagine Lilo and I don't Stitch think I would see that don't do it I don't think I would, would see you, that would you watch Lilo and Stitch I would I if would they did, if they did a live action adaptation that actually be of that. fun you that know. could be a really great idea actually yeah. yeah I think I'm into that one but what I was getting at is that it feels like they're just doing like one and moving on to the next like that's not the and cinematic universe isn't the right term to be using right now mm-hmm. but if you guys know what I mean that's like not what they're building with these in my mind but with the exception of Maleficent but Maleficent was different to begin with because Maleficent wasn't a straightforward adaptation Adaptation yeah. of Sleeping Beauty anyway. So they basically made their own prequel, and now they're doing... I, I don't know what the sequel is going to be, but it's going to be something. I think that sequels to the new live-action adaptations is a possibility. I feel like they could go that route, because if it's, if it's making enough money, people want to see more story from it. And I think the more likely scenario is that they would deviate from the cartoon sequels, because, like, the Lion King... What is it? Lion King One and a Half, or whatever the name yeah. of that sequel was? It was horrible. Like, you know, no one should watch that ever. Oh, I forgot it was called <laughs> that. It was horrible. But an interesting point is you kind of just reminded me with Maleficent, and then we have Jungle Book 2 coming up, which they also were pretty loose with the adaptation there mm-hmm. uh beauty and the beast made a buttload of money and there's no talk about sequels on that or anything so maybe they're res- for now respecting that i'm looking forward to the little mermaid adaptation oh it's gonna be hard and, but... and, Mu- and mulan i really yeah. i really want to yeah. see those two see how they play that out i've been i've been stupid excited for a little mermaid ab- adaptation for years i'm like when is that coming out like, yeah i I'd... do i do really want to see that i can't even remember if anything has been confirmed in recent months no, it's been a while. Yeah, and I keep getting it confused with whatever The Little Mermaid was that existed at another studio that mm-hmm. once had Chloe Grace Moretz attached and didn't pan out. 
or something along those lines. I don't know. Little Mermaid, I guess, is up in the air, but I, I would want to see that, too. I feel like Mulan would be an extremely strong contender in this day and age because everything keeps trying to cater to China because China's mm. such a big audience. Mulan fits right in with that. I can't wait to see that one. Um, before we move on to another live chat question, I want to let you guys know that right before we started the show today, Jeff Snyder dropped an exclusive that apparently there's a Django and Zorro movie in the works right now. The full article is up on Collider.com, so head on over there, read it, and we're going to discuss it in depth on the show tomorrow. All right. Here's a question that I really want you to answer, Jabby, because Haley and I talk about this all the time on The Witching Hour. So much pressure. Mackenzie Frew asks, what scares you the most? What scares me the most? Oh, gosh. Um, Kidney stones. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god that's the last thing in the world i thought you were gonna say grown-up fear kidney stones Realist. honestly scares me it's it's very much like what's his name uh, archer like he he has a very random response as to what what's his most uh, what the, what's the thing that petrifies him the most and i think it's like a brain aneurysm is what scares him the most and so for me it's it's definitely kidney stones and it's mainly because i watched friends so many times and joey got kidney stones and so to me that's horrific <laughs> That's absolutely <laughs> horrific because I heard it's just as bad. It's like the male version of d- delivering a baby. Yeah. It's that painful. And so I'm like, no, I would never want to experience that. I stopped drinking Diet Coke after that. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> this is like I never expected this conversation to go down that path. In case you don't know, I'm afraid of the dentist and bees. Yeah. But that's that's if we're like playing like like specific things. I'm afraid of all those, you know, like the fit, like the fear of like life after death and things happening. Zika you know. virus. I'm afraid of that. Zika virus that too. Count? Is that? I scary. feel like you can make a movie out of that. Zika virus. Yeah. Make it like really really dramatic. It's. You know what that is? The Zika virus is basically where you can't have babies anymore, yeah. or at least for a certain period of time. It was like a very Children very uh, big topic in the news for a while. Yeah. I feel like I haven't heard much about Zika. Hopefully they maybe they got a grip on it. Yeah, let's yeah. Uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> no want- snakes. No heights. Yes. That's where I draw the line. And the rest of my fears are really depressing and too grown up, so yes. we'll leave that's them why, off that's the That's why I stayed with bees in the dentist. Yeah. Every time a zombie movie comes out, you usually have a group of people who are like, that'll never happen. What's to be afraid of? But then every now and then you hear a news article come out talking about real, the real version of zombies and people going crazy and eating other people. I I, that actually genuinely scares me that that could happen at some point. I have read those articles. Oh, they, they're out there. They might be like, you know, stupid conspiracy theory kind of things. But like, they looked legit when I read it. But I w- this was also a couple years ago. <laughs> All right. So now that none of you will sleep tonight because you're afraid of real zombies and kidney stones, we're going to say goodbye. <laughs> Javi, Haley, thank you so much for being here. Thank As you. always, Adam in the booth, Dorian in the live chat. You guys rock. And so do all of you out there. Thank you so much for watching this episode of Collider Movie Talk. As always, it would be greatly appreciated if you could like and share this episode and tell everybody you know about the show on the YouTube channel and on the podcast network as well. And then you know what else you could do? Go check out all that content that I just teased. Read Jeff's article on Collider.com and then tune in tomorrow live 3 p.m. PT for a brand new episode.